So we want to study the character of Daniel. I will be focusing on the first chapter to the sixth chapter because that's about Daniel's life and his friend's life and how it is that God had, had propelled him to the place that he'd never imagined he would be, become the most second second most powerful person in the largest empire of the world at the time. And so, you know, so Daniel's life was pretty amazing. Now, starting from chapter 7 and onwards is a prophetic, um, you know, prophetic uh, writings. And so I'll leave it to all the big prophetic experts to, to share with you what those uh, writings are all about. But we will focus on the first six chapters. And so last week we started reading Daniel chapter 1. So let me recap what it is that we were, try, we were sharing with you. The first thing that I spoke about is that a lot of times when you think, see things that are happening around you or happening to you that really have nothing to do with you, especially when bad things happen to you, um, we tend to forget that there's a lot bigger uh, things at play here. God is doing something that is much bigger. You know, we spoke about Daniel, you know, him and his three friends, Shadrach, Misha, and Abednego. They, they were serving God. They were honoring God. They're living a life that is very devout as a Jew, uh, as Jews. And all of a sudden, even with their faithfulness in serving God, bam, somebody broke through their door, put cuffs on them, dragged them to a foreign land, so that you know, they become slaves and, and slaves to the foreign people that they don't know and in a culture that is hedonistic and foreign to them. And in that moment, they could have complained against God. But they didn't. They stayed faithful. They didn't understand what was going on. And what was going on is that God was setting him up to be the second most influential man to the world. See, if God didn't fulfill his prophecy in um, causing the kingdom of Israel to be dissolved, Daniel would not have that place in the position and the influence that he had to influence the world to the point that the four kings that he served, all of them revered God, and two of them commanded the entire Persian or, or Babylonian empires to worship the God of Daniel, the God of his friends. That would not have happened if Daniel was not dragged all the way to Babylon, if his country was not being invaded and completely destroyed. It reminds me of of the life of Paul the Apostle. Paul the Apostle, he was being captured by the Roman soldier under the help of the, the religious people. And then on his way to Rome, he, was the, his, he experienced shipwreck and found himself on the island of Maltese, or the people of Maltese. And when he was there, as if things weren't bad enough, he got bitten by snakes. And people around him saying, see, he must be a murderer. With all the setbacks, shipwrecked to being bitten by a snake, resulted in the entire island got saved. So the first point I want to tell you is that there are things happening that is outside your control and maybe negative, maybe even opposing to what you're doing. Don't complain. Trust God. Second thing is whenever there are something happened to you where you're going through some process of difficulties, it may be that God is propelling you 
to great significance. So embrace that process. You know, when difficulty comes, don't get scared, don't run, because in that midst of difficulties, God is setting you up for amazing, amazing miracles. I remember the life of Joseph. You know, Joseph, he went from being a dreamer to a slave and doing, being falsely accused and got thrown in prison. Things got bad, got gone from bad to worse and worse. Do you know, we all know the story of Joseph. He'd become the prime minister, the second most powerful man in, in, in the world at the time. And he said this, Joseph said this, even though it was a bad intention by his brother, but God had set this whole thing up to redeem Israel. A lot of times we had taken through this, 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 this road of difficulties, and immediately we thought God is punishing us. Immediately we thought that we've done something wrong. You know, in the old days, we, we'd be, we've been taught that if something bad happened to you, it must be God is punishing you. That cannot be further from the truth because Jesus had taken away all our punishment. Are you here this morning? He removed all our punishment. He taken away all our curse. No curse will come to you. You are redeemed from the curse of the law, the Bible says. So it's not like God is punishing you. But sometimes when mishap happens, it's not because of you. It's because God is doing something. So instead of being like Job's wife to tell her husband to curse God and die, I want to encourage you to stay in faith. Stay in faith. You may not understand what is going on. You may not understand why things are happening. You know, I was just reading the news last night, late last night. And, um, you know, those of you who read news on the internet, you know, I scan through all the news channel, right? All the Canadian news channel and BBC and all the American news channel, you know, on the internet. Just trying to see what's going on then. And, you know, after you're reading all those news, you get really scared because now the world order we know of is actually falling apart. The G7 is, is, is cracking. But do you know that every time when there is chaos, chaos in Joseph's life, chaos when the people of Israel are coming out of Egypt, when there is a seemingly a, a seismic chaos, there is a shift going on. If you study revival, and I said this many times, every time when there's revival in the history of the church, there's always a seismic chaos. Just look at the modern revival history of, uh, of our time, starting from 1900. The Pentecostal revival started right after the First World War. The healing movement started right after the Second World War. The charismatic movement started right after the Vietnam War, around the Vietnam War. Need I go on? When there is chaos, there's always something going on. When Jesus was born 2,000 years ago, they would have lived in Bethlehem. We have two sisters from Bethlehem. If you had to live in Bethlehem, you would have heard cries of mothers of the child being slain. There was a lot of chaos, but because there was a shift. Ladies and gentlemen, I don't know if you realize this, we are in the middle of a shift. It's exciting. Don't be scared. He's got you covered. Come on, you need to believe that. He's got you covered. Oh, don't be like those who has no faith and say, oh, you know, a war with us, you know, whatever. God is punishing our land. Don't believe that. 
I know a lot of preachers preaching about punishment and all that, but I believe the grace of God tells us that Jesus took upon himself all the punishment so you and I can be free from punishment. He is not the author. Listen, God is not the author of chaos, nor is he the author of pain and sickness, but he uses them. The chaos I talk about is man-made and the devil-made, but God uses those chaos to introduce new season. So new season is coming. It's coming for your life. Come on, let's agree with that in Jesus' name. Amen. Now, the second thing I shared about is that I, 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 draw, I drew your attention to Daniel. You see, Daniel did not walk out his faith journey alone. He had four friends, three friends with him. You know, Shadrach, Meshach, and Abednego. So what I share with you is that we, in our faith journey, we absolutely cannot walk alone. It would be hard. It will be difficult because the devil wants you to lose your faith. So he would send things, you know, messengers of evil, you know, as Paul would say, you know, messengers of evil to discourage you, to cause you to be discouraged. But friends, if you have company of believers, it will ensure that you stay in faith. You know, if you read Acts, the book of Acts chapter 4, Acts chapter 4 tells us about you know, uh, 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 Peter and his, his, com- uh, his couple of companions, they got jailed because they were preaching the gospel, and they ended up being whipped and jailed. Now, the next day, they released Peter. And what did Peter do? You know, the Word of God tells us that immediately after he was being released, where did he go? Did he go visit his wife? Not that you shouldn't visit your wife, you should. But the Word of God says that he immediately went to his company of believers in King James Version, it says. In other words, his companions of faith in some translation. Why? Because that's where you get faith. So he went to his companion of faith. They didn't go, oh, woe with us, you know, where are you, God? You know, if you were around, we wouldn't be punished, and we wouldn't suffer, you know, God, where are you? But this company of faith means the people who he hangs around with are people that are full of faith. And because they are full of faith, even after Peter shared with them about his suffering, they prayed together saying, God, more! (laughs) More! You go, what? Because they are aching each other. They were encouraging each other to believe in God more. You know what happened? The Word of God said the earth shook. Wow, the earth shook. Do you know that it's really impossible for you to have a company of self to see a earth shake? I, I haven't seen a lot of incidents. In fact, I can't remember any incident that one person sit there and doing some meditation and the earth, earth shake. Miracle comes with companies of believers. Are you here this morning? Miracle comes with a company of believers. Watch this. You all heard this psalm before. Though I walk through the the valley of the shadow of death, I shall not be fearful. I shall not be afraid. Why? Because your rod and your staff, they comfort me. Check this. How many of you have seen a shepherd at work before? Do you know what the shepherd do with the rod and staff? Is it to whip them? No. It's to guide the sheep back to the group. Are you here? 
so the sheep will walk outside the group. What does the shepherd do? The shepherd take his rod and stuff, guide them back to the group. Because in that group, there is comfort of God. In that group, there is security. In that group, there is safety. The world we're living in, the culture, the individualistic culture that we have in our modern society is that it encourages isolation. I'm very sure that if Anthony Bourdain and Kate Spade would be part of a small group, there you go, right? Part of a small group in the church, they would still be alive today. Some of you don't believe it. I'm telling you, isolation is a sure thing for discouragement. It's a sure thing to cause us to be depressed. Don't isolate yourself. Get connected. And that's what happened, you know. Daniel, his friend. And I say that this, these four guys wouldn't have gone to the place that they went to if they had not been together. Encourage each other. So when they decided to, to not eat the food that the king supplied, they all did it together. They're like, we don't want to do this. You know, they did it together. And when they were, they were ministering, you know, when Daniel got promoted, you know, to be the, 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 the chief honcho, he insisted that all his three buddies reign with him. That's company of believers. Okay. Now let's, uh, let's go to verse 7. That's where we stop. Daniel chapter 1, verse 7. Now the chief uh, eunuchs gave them names. Um, Daniel called... Belteshazzar, Hananiah called Shadrach, Mishael called Meshach, and Azariah he called Abednego. Verse 8, but Daniel resolved that he would not defile himself with the king's food or with the wine that he drank. Therefore, he asked the chief of eunuchs to allow him not to defile himself. And God gave Daniel favor and compassion from the side of the chief of the eunuchs. Okay, I say something about verse 8 last week. Let me just touch on it a little bit. We believe fully in the grace of God in this church. That tells me, the grace of God, that is, that doesn't matter how many times I fall, if I keep wanting to try, His grace is sufficient for me. Amen. Right? The grace of God is not saying you can sin all you want. It doesn't mean it's permissive. The grace of God is to focus on the goodness of God, the mercy of God. That doesn't matter how many times you try. You know, I've heard people say to me that, you know, they, they've been to churches, they feel so judged and condemned because they make some mistakes. But I want to tell you this, is that when you come here, and I'm asking everybody who's part of this house, please don't talk about other people in this church. If they don't dress the way you like, don't talk about them. Don't judge them. Are you hearing me? This is a judgment-free zone. Everybody say judgment-free zone. I said it a million times. I'm going to repeat it again because human beings, we need repetition and reminder all the time. Don't comment on people's dress. Don't comment on people's lifestyle. Don't comment on people's behavior. Don't comment. Don't talk about people. It breaks my heart every time when I hear somebody is saying something about somebody. It breaks my heart. I weep in my spirit because when this happens, somebody is crying. Somebody's getting hurt. 
Please don't do that. In this house, we declare in Jesus' name, it's judgment-free. Come on. Come on, agree with me. It's judgment-free. You know, the other day, one of my kids came to me and started talking about, you know, he or her siblings, so you don't know who is saying and, um, you know, I, I usually didn't say anything, but that day, yesterday, I just felt like saying, don't judge. Don't judge your sibling. Just leave it alone. You know how they, they talk about each other, you know? You know, I said, don't, don't judge. I appreciate the report, <laughs> but don't judge. Let's not do that. But anyways, while we are totally in grace, but watch this, listen to this, Okay. We see that here Daniel and his friend have some spiritual discipline. I see a lot of amazing people in this church, from young to old. Amazing. Talents, charisma, the whole yard. But a lot of times when all these charismatic, amazing people show up, one of the things that saddened my heart is that they, they, they just they allow, but they lack discipline in their lives. They lack spiritual discipline in their life. We can't get ahead unless there's some kind of consistent life discipline that requires tremendous willpower. You know, in 1 Corinthians chapter 9, verse 27, you all know this. Paul says this in King James Version. I don't know what the other version says, but he said, I beat myself and bring it into subjection. He's not trying to torture himself. It's not those religious things. Why? He said, unless that when I have tell people the amazing news of God, I myself is disqualified. New Living Translation, I discipline my body like an athlete, training it to do to do what it should. Otherwise, I fear that when I'm preaching to others, I myself might be disqualified. You tell people about the goodness of God, the grace of God, the amazing, abundant life of God, and yet you're not living in it, in other words. Why? Because there is a lack of discipline. Consistent life discipline. We're not talking about one-day discipline. We're not even talking about one-year discipline. We're talking about lifetime. Everybody say lifetime. Lifetime discipline. This is what we need as believers. You know what? I'll tell you this. For those of you who work out, you know, you have nice body, you know, scalp body, you know that it didn't happen overnight. A lot of things, you know, there's a lot of commercial stuff going on that's enticing us to do shortcuts. You know, you eat these pills, you get thin. And I fell for that myself a long time ago. If you'd ask my wife, I try the mango thing, you know, I just, just whatever, all kinds of pills. I try everything because I was looking for shortcuts and trying to run away from discipline. And I tell you, I, I, the only difference is that my bank account just gets smaller and smaller because all these people just want to have a piece of my money. They promised the world and you try it and it didn't work. Don't run away from discipline. People that have problem with having a consistent, disciplined lifestyle will find themselves always struggling in life. God still loves you. He still has His promise, sure. You know, a lot of people say, you know, I'm under the grace of God, and God has given us all spiritual blessings. It is so true. 
Do you know that he cannot give you any more blessing that he had given you? I'm just always wondering, why people always ask, God, can you bless me more? No, he can't, sorry. He already blessed you with every spiritual blessing. Everybody say every, every. spiritual blessings. Every means he'd empty himself. There's nothing more to dish out from heaven. You got them all. Well, why am I not seeing it? Well, it's like this. Let's say I write you a million dollars check. Who wants to have that? Oh, okay. Angie went out first, so I'll write them. Here, Angie. It's just invisible one, okay? <laughs> so I gave Angie that million dollar check, and she took the million dollar check. Woo, Shandai, right? Now, what does that check do? Nothing. You can fold a plane and throw it in the water or do nothing. But the blessing's already been given to her. She's got it. But can she, can she have a big house with it? No, not with that paper. Can she buy a car with it? No, not with that paper. This is what she needed to do. She would need to take that check, go to her local bank, and deposit it, wait for two weeks for it to clear, just in case it's NFS, you know, I mean, I have a million dollars in my bank, right? But wait for it to clear, then now she can realize the wealth. A lot of believers say, oh, God has blessed me with all the spiritual blessings, but the check is still there, and they say, no, I don't need to, I don't need to follow the system. I'm just doing whatever I like because God loves me and His grace is upon me. It's half truth because you do need to deposit the check. Many of us, you see, that's the difference between religious discipline and spiritual discipline. Spirit, religious discipline comes from the basis that I need to please God. No, you don't. You don't go through the discipline so that you can have a certain brownie points. Can I say that? That's religious discipline. You do something so God can be pleased with you, that He would love you more, that you, He can bless you more. That's a lie from the devil. You can't be, God cannot be more pleased and love you anymore than He already loved you. That's religious mindset. Don't try to please God or people. Spiritual discipline, on the other hand, says this. I need to discipline myself have a discipline in my life that I will not miss out. I'm paraphrasing. Miss out the opportunity for the blessings to be realized. You know, discipline always starts small. It doesn't go big. It's like um, if you want to do fasting, spiritual fasting, not religious fasting, you want to do fasting, don't start with 21 days. You won't make it. Maybe start with one meal. You know, just say, okay, I'm just going to fast my breakfast, right? Or fast my lunch. Lunch is probably the hardest because everybody's going to lunch. And then you walk down the street, you smell everything, right? So lunch is hardest. Fast lunch or fast dinner, whatever. Just fast one meal. It's progressive. I don't believe that this guy's this guys, these four guys have the ability to have that discipline in their life by training themselves just overnight. They start small, they develop from there. All right, let's move on. Now, because they have that spiritual discipline 
to do what the Word of God taught them to do. Verse 9, and God gave them favor and compassion. I cannot preach about favor more. I tell you, favor is so important in our lives. All our promotion comes from favors. Promotion from men comes from favor. If you have business, you want to have favors on your business that people will like your product. Are you here this morning? And if you have a career, you need favor from your boss and also those that will want to promote you. Are you here this morning? You cannot be, uh, you know, what's the good word to use? You can't, you know, like I want to use that J word. I don't know how to, never mind. So you cannot be, you cannot be someone that, you know, yep, thank you. (laughs) Unlikable and expect promotion. You say, well, I'm, I'm just being unlikable for the Lord. I want the world to hate me so that God can... You know, that's religious thinking. You know, the other day we were listening to this leadership thing with the small group leaders and also with the staff, and we're listening to this preacher, and, and, and he said, you know, some of us are training our kids up and set them up for failures because we, we're telling them to say things in the crowd, in the world, that will make them target of persecution because we taught them that if you're being persecuted... You're on the right side of the Lord. And so oftentimes our kids become isolated in school. They don't know what to say, what to do. You need to give them wisdom. You need to look at Daniel, how he did it. Daniel never mentioned anything about his religion, his faith, or whatever. He just asked, can you give us water and vegetables? He never said, God say so. Are you here? He never get all religious and spiritual. You don't need to get religious and spiritual. If God tells you to do it, just do it. Don't need to tell people that God told you that. Just do it. But God will give you favor. But anyways, a lot of times we set ourselves up to be attacked and persecuted. But I want to encourage you not to do that. Because God wants to give you favor with men so that he can promote you, so that your doors can be open for you. Don't try to make enemies of the world. Now God gave him favor and passion in the sight of the chief eunuchs. And the chief eunuch said to Daniel, I fear the Lord King who signed your food and your drink for wine. Should he see that you were in worse condition than, your youth, than the youths who are of your own age, your peers in other words. So you would endanger my head with the king. And this is what Daniel did, which is really interesting. Daniel said to the steward from the chief of the eunuchs, has a sign over Daniel, Hananiah, Meshach, and Azariah. He said this, if you, you have a Bible here, you got to have the underlined circle and put highlights over it. Test your servants for 10 days. If God had told you something, it will work. I'll repeat it again. If God has said something to you, it will for sure work. A lot of people say, God said this, God said that. Nothing happened. You know, I would be so careful to use the name of God. You know, the Jewish people, they don't even call God God. They call G-D. 
Because the name of God is so awesome, and yet we use it so flippantly. No wonder the world uses it as a curse word, because we don't even honor the name of God. But my point is this. If God has instructed us to do something, do it and test it out. See if it works. Because if you read later on, then let our appearance and the appearance of our youth, verse 13, who eat the king's food, be observed by you and deal with your servant according to what you see. In other words, he's saying, don't, even be, don't believe what we say. He didn't say, you know, God told us this, God told us that. All he said is that test it, try it out. So the eunuchs listen and tested it for 10 days and 15. At the end of 10 days, it was seen that they were better in appearance, fatter in flesh and all the youth, uh, than all the youth who ate with the king's food. So they took away the food and the wine they were to drink. Wow. Verse 17, for this for, you, for this four years, God gave them learning and skill with all literature and wisdom. And Daniel, on top of that, with, on top of the learning skills and literature and wisdom, Daniel had understanding of all wisdom and visions and dreams. That's the next level, right? But my point I want to share with you is this. Listen to this. If you felt God has said something to you, Try it out quietly. Don't need to announce to the world, God told me this, God told me that, God this, God that. Be so careful to use the name of the Lord. The prayer team, I always say this to the prayer team. If you have a prophetic word, never say, the Lord says this. Say this, I sense in my spirit, this is what's going on. Can you, can you confirm it? That's humility. A lot of us want to be oracle of God. Well, don't be oracle of God. If what God had instructed you is going to work, test it out. Because Daniel told people to test him. Test it out. If it works, then you give glory to God. Otherwise, when you say, you know, God said this to me, God said this to me, and a lot of times those people will say, God this, God that, they... Oh, oh, please, don't shame my God. He is real. He is good. He is always true to His Word. There's no shadow of turning with Him. If He said it, then it's true. He doesn't change His mind. So whatever you claim that God has said to you and that is not true a few days later, a few months, a year later, who do you make a liar? You just make God a liar. So don't say that. Just say, you know, I just, I just, I just want to do that. I feel like doing it. And see what happened. And if it's God, man, it's going to explode. Look what happened. Dear a countenance, their understanding, everything about them were much better, not just marginally better. We Christians should not be looking for marginal better. We Christians should be looking for much better than our peers. God wants you to be much better than your peers, whatever your peers is. You know, if you're a director or some sort, you are better than all the directors, you know. If you are CEOs, you're better than all the CEOs in your industry. God wants you to be much better. Why? Because He wants His glory to be real, and He wants His glory to be, to be recognizable. It's not like, oh, you know, well, maybe God help him because, you know, like, you know, He also is very smart and whatever. No. God wants to have all the glory. He wants you 
you to become much better, much more successful. If you walk in the ways of God, like Daniel, I want to guarantee you, God is not wanting you just to be successful a little bit. He wants you to be extravagantly successful, extravagantly being successful in your, or call, in, your, in your area of your call, in the fields that you believe God has called you to. But don't use the name of God so easily. Test and see. So verse 18, at the end of the time when the king had commanded that they should be brought in, the chief of eunuchs brought them before the Nebuchadnezzar, and the king spoke with them, and among of them none was found like Daniel, Hananiah, Mishael, and Azariah. Therefore they stood before the king. And in every matter of wisdom, watch this, and understanding about which the king inquired of them, he found them how many times? Come on, talk to me. How many times? How many times? Do you want to be 10 times better than your peers? Because you're called to be 10 times better than your peers. Are you here this morning? You're called to be 10 times better than your peers. Your business should be 10 times better than your peers. 10 times better than all the magicians and enchanters that were in all the kingdom. And Daniel was there until the first year of King Cyrus. I'm going to do chapter 2 next week. I so believe this is the hour. You know, a lot of people are so afraid of what's going on now, the trade situation around the world, um, you know, the, you know the, the, the things that are going on with all those industrialized world. And many people are very afraid. Think about this, right? If we can no longer export our car to the biggest market in the world, we will lose a lot of jobs. And they say, I'm not in the auto industry, but it has ripple effect. But don't let that cause you any fear. Because if the Bible is any indication, it's that the people of God, listen, shine their brightest in the darkest of hour. Amen. 30 people believe that. I'm going to say this. Don't be afraid of challenges that are coming. Because I want to tell you this, the people of God who calls upon the name of the Lord, they shine the brightest in the darkest moment. When everybody is struggling. You see, if everybody is very blessed, you know, and so forth, everybody is doing fine or whatever, they don't need to look at God. They don't need to look for God. They don't need, to, they don't need any miracles. They don't need any healing. They don't need anything. But I tell you this, the, bright, the light of God is shining the brightest in the darkest moment. So what am I saying? I'm saying this, don't be afraid. Your God is on your side. Your God has got you. He's got you in His hand. He's got you protected. He knows the number of your days. He knows about everything that is about to happen to you and will happen to you in the future. He knows everything. So instead of struggling, instead of trying to help yourself out and just struggle your way through, trust in God. Trust in God. Can you imagine Joseph's turn against God when he was being sent to prison for something he didn't do? You know, the other day, somebody came to me and said that, you know, I heard somebody say bad things about me, and, and that person was crying in, the, in, in my office. It's really awful to be accused falsely. And that's why I want to encourage you, please don't accuse other people because you're bringing hurt. And if that's your objective, I just, oh, please don't. 
Don't, you know who is the accuser of the brethren? Do you know who is the accuser of the brethren? It's our enemy. So if you give room to the enemy, he will take that opportunity. So if any, and if you ever hear people accusing other people, have the grace to say, God loves you, man, and God loves him. Change subject. Don't need to lecture the person. Well, I'll call the lecture anybody. Just walk away, be quiet. Just keep on loving people. But I'll tell you this. This is an amazing shift in our time. Probably the biggest shift. That's why it seems so chaotic and so uncertain. But Christians, I got good news for you. This is the hour and the time that God wants to lift you up. God wants to magnify His glory through you. Don't go and just complain and accuse and curse and walk away. Stay in faith. Joseph, in spite of false accusation, stay in faith. So I told this brother, stay in faith. Stay loving. Don't, don't just forgive. It's hard. It's hard when you hear rumors of people saying bad things about you. Just stay in faith. Oh, I forgive them. I love them. Hallelujah. Just stay in faith. Besides, I told the brother, you never see a perfect church. If it's not here, it's somewhere else. Somebody's going to talk about you. I want to encourage you, brother and sister. Live Learn to live in forgiveness. So he had to forgive me quite a few times because I'm a kind of pastor that you need to forgive a lot. <laughs> you know, please forgive me if I hurt you or offend you. But don't, 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 don't let a false accusation hurt. So I told you, but don't let the false, just keep loving people. And Joseph did that. He did not let false accusation to wear him down and keep him in prison. But he continued to operate in faith. And you know, he got betrayed even after that, you know, or the, the, uh, the, the, the cupbearer, you know, promised that I'm going to tell the king how amazing you were and totally forgot about him. And watch this. Disaster, disaster came to Egypt. Famine came to the world. People say, oh my goodness, what's going on? God was doing something. He was trying to promote someone. Maybe whatever ship is going on, whatever chaos is going on, maybe God is trying to promote you. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Stay in faith. Whatever happened in your workplace, whatever happened to your home, whatever happened to our society, stay in faith. Trust God. He will lift you up. Can you all stand, please? Hallelujah. Come on, let's praise the Lord together. Hallelujah. Thank you, God, for your word. Thank you, God, for your word.